Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. So, uh, you mean that? Do you mean that? I think it's a serious question. It's not rhetorical. Do you mean that? I'll follow you anywhere. You're, you're all I need. You're all I want. Do you mean that? Okay, not enough people answered in the affirmative, so I'm going to go ahead and preach. I mean, I was thinking if you really meant it, then my job, my work here is done. We can just dismiss and go eat bonbons or something. I don't know. Get into the basketball, right? I hear there's a basketball game tonight. Nope. Yeah, that really is what it's all about. You know, I love these times together. I, I love... And it seems like, and although I am absolutely exhausted, uh, I love the times to get together with the fellowship and just hang out with each other. They always seem like they pass too quickly. But they pass because I'll follow you anywhere. This is wonderful, and this is joyous, and this is refreshing, and it's awesome, and, and I love being with you, Oakland Heights. I'm going to choose. It's not my decision. I don't get to decide where I live, where I attend church. And let me just say kindly, or not kindly, I don't really care. You don't either. You don't either. I'm no more a soldier of Jesus Christ than you are. Amen? I mean, did, did he pay some special price for me that he didn't pay for you? No, we're all the same. And we are all bound to follow him anywhere. Just in obedience. You know, we're going to get to go one day and spend eternity together in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's going to be awesome. You know, like fellowship... You know, it's like, you know, this conference thing all the time. I don't know. I don't know. It'll be better. It'll be better. You know, if I just did what I wanted to, I wouldn't know you. I would never have moved my family from Decatur, Alabama. I would never have taken my family away, my kids away from their grandparents, my wife away from her parents from a secure position in a church where, frankly, life was easy for me. I would never have done that. And I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal. I'm just saying, we serve where God puts us to serve, amen? That's what it means to be a soldier. Right? Soldiers don't, you know, pick out a condo on the beach where they'd like to stay. No, you, you submit you, yourself for duty. 
And the, and the captain tells you, the commander-in-chief says, here's where you go, and here's what you do, and here's how long you'll stay. And when I'm done with you there, I'll give you another duty station, but until I do that, you stay right there and hold that line. Because I'm counting on you, and, and so is everyone else. It's important. It's important. It matters. We're in a battle. We're in a fight. And, and we're, in, we're, in a, we're in a fight for the glory of God. That really is what it's all about. It involves the souls of men, I, I, I agree. But ultimately, it's about the glory of God. It's about bringing glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and we need to realize that. And, and, and if anything has been on my heart in coming here, and, and, and I'll be honest with the things that I've shared, I've not really, wanted, you know, I don't know, it just hasn't. Anyway, I think God's given us what we needed to hear. And, 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 and I say that humbly as well. But that we are in a fight, we're in a warfare, and it's more important now that we understand that than it's ever been before. And the opportunities and the occasions, the temptations are only going to intensify in the days ahead. Pastor Shelby, the great sifting of the church, he said last year at this time, talking about the coronavirus, and a lot of people have been sifted out. Trust me, the sifting is continuing, and it'll be up to us. So we need to, to understand we're in a battle, and we need to stand strong. We need to stay on the high ground, hold the high ground, right? We need to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And, and I, you know, I go home at night and I worry about, did I, I don't know that I made that point very well. Endure hardness. We've got to stick with it. We've got to see it through. We've got to see it through to the end. We've got to allow God to fulfill his purpose in the hardness in our lives. He has a reason for it. We've got to embrace that and see it through. If we quit in the middle, then we don't, we don't realize the victory. If we quit at the end, we don't realize the victory. The, the, the mission isn't accomplished that God intended for it in our lives. And so it's important that we endure. And then just tonight, the, the last part of this, we'll read through all four verses. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 2. I figured you knew that by now. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Here's the, here's the strategy. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. That's discipleship. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse 4 tonight. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. The, the prerequisite to pleasing him who has chosen us to be a soldier, is to not get entangled in the affairs of this life. You, you can't live for here and now and for there and then. They just don't work. You, you can't live for this world and please the one who has chosen you to be a soldier. I confessed that I'm old. And my illustrations are old, I'm sorry. Because I'm old. So, I, you know, it really freaks me out. It really blows my mind that there's some of you in here who don't know where you were on 9-11. The day when America was attacked. And, and you don't have vivid memories of that. But if you were of any age on that day, you remember where you were. 
I had just dropped Drew and Lauren off at school. I was stopped at a red light at the Beltline in Spring Avenue. I was about to cross the street and go get gas, and I heard on the radio that an airplane had crashed into the World Trade Center. I went on and got my gas, and I thought, you know, probably a Cessna. It's happened before. But when I got to my office, you know, I was a cool guy in the office. I could actually watch television on my computer. That used to be a weird thing. <laughs> right? Now everybody watches television on a computer. That's the only way you get it now. But, but back in the day, you know, I was the cool guy in the office. I had TV on my computer. And so I go in, and, and I bring it up on my computer, and I'm watching it. And, and, and folks gathered from the office into my office, and, and we see the second plane fly into the second tower. And, and I remember watching the, the, the first tower collapse and, and the guys who are commentating and talking about it, they're not even, they, they don't even see it. I saw it before they said anything, you know? I don't know, maybe you were watching that and, and you see the building collapse and you're like, is it really collapsed? Is that really happening? Sure enough, it was. And then news comes of smoke somewhere in the D.C. area and, you know, early on, the early reports were, we're not sure where that's at. We're not sure where that smoke's coming, but there's, there's something happening in D.C. And then a field in Pennsylvania. And, and just as that day unfolded, you, you know where you were. You remember that process. I was a chaplain with the police department and, and the things that we, you know, we did with the police department and just remembering really fear. And, and, and you know the incredible thing that, that, that is different then than now in, in the recent pandemic that we've experienced was people really began to turn toward God. Churches were opened not shuttered. People prayed, didn't blaspheme. People signed up. Patriotism was, was on the increase. I remember a guy in our church who was in the National Guard and, and he got called up. And, and, and he He's the same guy making fun of me with about my 3,000 rounds. Uh, in that same conversation, he looked at me and he said, and you know, those guys are usually pretty physically fit. Anyway. Uh, he got called up and, you know, so the, the, the talk was, where's he, you know, he going to report to? Where's he going to go? I mean, is he going to Afghanistan? Of course, at that time, you know, there was a lot of question about even... If you retaliate, where do you retaliate? Who did this? And a lot of question. Well, the story comes, you know, after a few days, his, his duty station was the Redstone Arsenal in Huntsville, Alabama, 30 minutes from home. That's not so glorious. But I thought, you know, and I was talking to him, and I said, well, at least you're, you're close to home, you know, you can, I, I guess you'll just come home at night and commute back and forth, and I mean, it's just right here, and you, know, so you can be with your wife and your kids, and everything will be great. And he said, oh, no. Oh, no. That's not how this works. I've been called to duty. I, I won't even be able to speak with my wife on the phone. I'll be staying on the arsenal. And I'll be guarding the gate. Because I've been called to duty, that's my mission. I, I can't be entangled with the affairs of this life. I can't go sleep at home at night and, and, and worry about paying the bills and, 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 and the issues that are going on at home. 
I have a very important mission, and I've, I've got to be there, and I've got to be focused on the mission. I think if the mission of the National Guard and guarding the gate at Redstone Arsenal in Huntsville, Alabama, is serious enough for a soldier to remove himself from the affairs of this life, the mission of the Lord Jesus Christ to reach the world with the gospel and bring glory to him throughout eternity is important enough for us to not get entangled in the affairs of this life. That, that word, that the word affairs that's used there that Paul uses is a, is a very rare word. It's the only place that it's used in the scriptures. The word entangled is, is another rare word, and, and it's only used in one other place, and that's in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, and it has the same kind of a, a feel, the same kind of a context. He says, for after they, if after they have escaped the pollutants of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than, at, than the beginning. And so he, he kind of gives you the idea, this, this ideal of affairs is the, uh, the pollutants of the world and getting entangled into these things. We, we've been delivered from them, but, but we get entangled with them and, and we're overcome by them and, and we begin to live our lives for here and now, not there and then. That's a problem. All the way back in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, as they're preparing to, to cross over into the promised land. Remember, it's a great illustration of discipleship. The children of Israel delivered out of Egypt through the shedding of the blood of a lamb. They're baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And, and then they, they, they end up hanging out in the wilderness a lot longer than they should have. It's that discipleship process. And then they, they're getting ready in Deuteronomy. They're going to cross over into the promised land. They're going to go live in this land of victory. And, and, and so they're, they're getting the law the second time. In Deuteronomy 20... Verse number 5, I think it's on the screen. And the officer spake unto the people, saying, What man is there that hath built a house, a built a new house, and hath not dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house. Lest he die in the battle, and another man dedicated. And what man is he of, that hath planted a vineyard, and hath not eaten of it? Let him go and return into his house, lest he die, and another man eat of, it, eat of it. And what man is he that hath betrothed a wife, and hath not taken her? Let him go and return into his house, lest he die in the battle, and a, another man take her. And the officer shall speak further unto the people, and they shall say, What man is he, or what man is there, that is fearful and, and faint-hearted? Let him go and return into his house. And, and when, we, when we read through that, it, it's easy for me to think, Oh, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. God's concerned about my new house and my vineyard and, and my new bride. He's just really interested in me. Because after all, it is all about me. But the next phrase kind of pulls the rug out from under me, right? Lest, for fear that, his brother's heart faint as well as his heart. And the real issue is the mission's too important to risk with someone who is double-hearted. The mission is too important to risk with someone who is double-hearted. This is, this is an important mission, and, and we can't risk it. We can't, we can't afford to have a distracted soldier on the field. We need to have everyone focused on the battle. And I believe the strategy of the enemy, especially in our country, especially in our culture, our society, 
is to get us so tied up, so entangled in this world that we don't have time to live for the next. We are so entangled. Pastor Trotter used to say it like this. The busyness of life keeps us from the business of life. He could turn a phrase like nobody else, couldn't he? I've stole every one of them. That's true, isn't it? The, business, the busyness of life takes us from the business of life. Jesus gives some examples of that in Luke chapter 9. He says, and it came to pass that they went, on, went in the way, and a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. We, I, I think we just said that, didn't we? Well, at least we sang it. We, we said, wherever you lead, I'll follow. I'll go wherever. So maybe we need to ask ourselves. Maybe we need to hear the words of Jesus before we make that commitment. Jesus didn't say, great, come on, it's wonderful. I'm so glad that you've responded to the invitation. Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. You, are you sure about that? You want to follow me? Are you sure about that? Because it's going to cost you something. And you need to count the cost. You need to really think about that. It's a serious commitment. And he says unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me to, to first go and bury my father. And Jesus saith unto him, let the dead bury the dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And Jesus is not being cold hearted. It's not that, you know, I, I, my dad's funeral is this afternoon. And let me go take care of that. And then I'll be, and it, it's the idea that, you know, my dad's living. And, and once he's gone, then yeah, once, I, once that's taken care of, then yeah, I'll come follow you. Jesus says, no, come now. Let the dead bury the dead. Come follow me. And another said unto him, Lord, I'll follow thee. But let me go first and, and bid them farewell, which are at my home, my home at my house, or at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know that, and listen, aren't we that way? I mean, I bet, again, I bet if we took a poll tonight and we said, Should you follow Jesus wholeheartedly? I mean, we took one at the beginning, and man, I don't know if everybody was even in on that, but uh, anyway. Uh, Let's just play like, let's play like we were. Uh, you know, we'd all say, yeah, 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 man, follow Jesus. Yes, wherever He leads, absolutely. We need to do all of that. Those are great things. Oh, but just not right now. I mean, later. I mean, we're going to do it. I mean, don't, I love Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. Don't question that. I'm going to follow Him. I'm going to do what He says, but I'm just going to do it later. I'll do it at another time. Because it'll be easier then. I'll have a convenient season. You know, I grew up in church, going to church. Uh, and, and you know, I, I know from my own personal life, you know, you get, you get in high school and, and you got all that pressure around you, you know, and so you, you, know, you just think, well, as soon as I get out of high school, it'll be easier. It'll be easier when I'm out of high school, you know, because there won't be all this peer pressure because college is nothing like that. Right, there'll be no pressure there. I'll have all that freedom and, and it'll be a whole lot easier to do what's right then. And then you get to college and realize, well, that was a lie. And you get out of college and you get in the working world, you know, and most of the people come out of college, they got this thing called debt, you know, up to their eyeballs. And so they got to get this job and they got to work all the time, you know, and so we're so busy working all the time, you know, we're just trying to 
we're trying to get rid of this child that we, we call a student loan. Right? And then we, we meet somebody and we get married and then, you know, then the kids are growing up and we've got to make sure that we've got them in sports because that travel ball, you know, is the, that's the hope for the scholarship so they won't have the student loans. And, and my, kid's going to get, my kid's going to get a scholarship because we played travel ball. And that does require that we be there on Sundays because, well, I mean, it's important. It's for my kids. And we just, we just get in this snowball headed downhill It's a ball of yarn, maybe not a snowball. And we get all entangled in it. And we're running from one thing to the next. Always believing that someday is going to come. Some magic day is going to come. And then, and then the, the, the sky is going to clear. And the calendar is going to clear. And everything is just going to be wonderful. I'm going to, hear, I'm going to hear angel music. And then I'm just going to be right into the ministry and, and serving the Lord Jesus Christ and leading people to Christ and discipling them and serving the Lord faithfully. It's going to happen, I'm sure, someday. But yet, that day never seems to come. Because we're entangled with the affairs and the pollutants of this life. Jesus, in the parable of the sower, He talks about these different kinds of soil, right? The, and he, he's talking about sowing, and, and one of the particular ones is that the, the seeds that were sown among thorns in Luke chapter 8. And He says, in the explanation to the disciples of the parable, He says, and that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth. Uh, let me make sure I read that right. And they which fell among the thor thorns are they which when they have heard, go forth, and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. I think that's an apt description of the pollutants, the, the affairs, the, the riches, the cares of this life. You know, I need to be a success. I, I, need, to, I need to live the American dream. I, I need the riches of this life. I need pleasurable pleasure pleasures in my life. I want to enjoy life. We get so caught up in the cares of this life and the riches of this life and the pleasures of this life, we never get down to the business of life, serving and bringing honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. And God called the soldiers. You know what a soldier used to be called back in World War II, what they would call a soldier? He was a GI. That meant government issue. Am I right, Ray? Didn't need a lot of stuff, did you? You just showed up. And they gave you everything you needed. You didn't need, a lot of, you didn't need to bring anything with you. You don't need a lot of stuff. We're going, to be, we're going to be traveling a lot. You need all that junk. Just come serve. Get involved. What fruit could we be bringing forth to perfection? Who could we be discipling? Who could we be investing in such that they could turn and invest in others, such that the kingdom could be multiplied, such that the glory of God could be multiplied if we weren't so caught up in the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life? Can, can I just say it plainly? If you're not involved in pouring your life into someone else, you're entangled in the affairs of this life. If you're too busy... To pour your life into somebody else. To reproduce the life of God that's within you in another person. You're too busy. You're entangled. And you need to figure out a way tonight to get out of that. Is that plain enough? He didn't even speak good English.
Truth be known, he probably speaks better English than I do. And, and listen, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to steal from us nice things. I like nice things. I, I like to have a good time. The issue is priority. The issue is what's first in my life. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And He said, I'll, I'll take care of the rest. I'll, I'll add all these things into you. I, I, I fear that we've allowed ourselves we, in, in our country to put the things of this world above God and above His kingdom. Paul warns Timothy about that in the, the first letter that he wrote to him. He says, but they that will be rich, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. I mean, listen to how he describes this. These that will be rich. Not, not these that are rich. That's not what he said. There are, there are a lot of people who have a lot of wealth who use it for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are people who are gifted to give, and because they're gifted to give, God gives to them. And He uses them in, in incredible ways. It's not about being rich. It's about them that will be rich, that they have that, that drive, that desire to be rich. Well, look what happens. He says they fall into temptation and a snare. None of that sounds good, right? And into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Those aren't good outcomes. So quit chasing the American dream. Quit chasing wealth. Quit chasing riches. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Again, no good outcomes there, right? But thou, okay? Don't be like them, Timothy. <laughs> Don't live like that, O man of God. Flee these things. Follow after righteousness and godliness and faith and love and patience. Aren't you glad that God doesn't take something away from us without giving us something else to follow after? He doesn't say just, just leave that stuff alone. Leave the world system alone. Quit, quit pursuing the, the, the discontentment and the, the wealth that we seek, the, the love of money, the things that distract. He says, quit, flee from that. He didn't say, seek to, to find a balance in your life over these things. No, he said, run from it. Run. Don't walk. Run. Don't flee those things. Follow after righteousness and godliness and faith and love. And patience and meekness. Don't pursue those things. Pursue these things. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou also art called. And hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Timothy, flee the pollutants of the world. Follow after righteousness and godliness and love and patience and meekness. But understand it's going to be a fight to do that. You, you won't do that passively in this country. Does that make sense? That's, that's not something that you can just sit by idly by and, and be passive about. You've got to fight. Because everything around you is driving in that direction. Every other stimulus in your life except this book and, and, and the people of God around you it's pushing you in that direction. So you, you've got to be willing to fight. But it's a good fight, right? It's, you, you, it's a good fight to have. And, and I think you know, that, is the, that is the thing. That is the thing that so trips us up in our culture. It is materialism. 
We are very materialistic. And, and we, we get caught up in our stuff. It's always amazing to me. You know, right down here on this corner, this is probably, this is probably, if not the most, it's one of the most valuable corners right down here that at, at 411 and 41. It was more so maybe before they did all that, that, that quick, you remember they did a quick road project right there. <laughs> you remember that? I mean, you might, not, you might have missed it because it went by so quick. I showed up here in 2004, the governor stood there and said, we've put this project on the fast track. I left, I left in 2019 and it wasn't done. Uh, <laughs> only government can operate with that kind of efficiency, right? What was I talking about? All those storage units down there. One of the most valuable pieces of property, probably in Cartersville, Georgia, and it's got hundreds of storage units on it. You know why, you know why that is? Because a very wise businessman knows you've got more junk than you can keep in your garage. <laughs> He's making a mint. When Thomas moved here, we needed a place to store some things. I went down there, I thought, well, this guy's bound to have. He's got a million storage units down here. Oh, no, no, sorry, we don't have any. We'll have to put you on a waiting list. We have no room. There's no room in the end for you, Thomas. <laughs> we have no room for your junk. It wasn't junk, Thomas. I'm I like your stuff. <laughs> I probably need to move on. This is getting bad. It, it's true that we're, we are very materialistic and we get caught up in our stuff. But can I, can I, I, I've wrestled with myself about doing this, but, but there's other things that Paul says that, that I do believe fit within the, the affairs of this life as he's writing. And, and I just want to hit them real quick, okay? There's a couple that. They'll come on the screen, but, but as he's writing, we've mentioned them a couple of times, but, but there's, I think they're also affairs and pollutants. And, and in 1 Timothy verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, he talks about that we shouldn't give heed to fables and, and endless genealogies that, that minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is, which is in faith. You know, don't give heed to these fables and these endless genealogies. You know, there's a lot of things that are told. There's a lot of things that we do. There's a lot of things we do in the name of Christianity. There's a lot of tales that are told that really aren't Bible. They're not really the truth of the Word of God. And, and, and it seems that what happens to us is we end up making those things essential and the Bible's optional. Am I right? I think so. Don't, don't, don't give heed to that. Refuse, he says in chapter 4, 1 Timothy 4, verses 6 and 7. Refuse profane and old wives' fables. Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Don't get caught up in that stuff. Don't get up with it, caught up in the tales and the, the, the traditions and the, the things that, that, that wives are telling, these fables. I don't know. They're profane. right? Even, even mock spiritual things. You know, Rex teaching this morning, he talked about what we put on that screen is important when we're singing. And I've, I've been in church before when we sang things, and I thought, that's, that's, that's not right. <laughs> that's not good. That's not biblical. In fact, that, there's some Hindu doctrine in that one. You sang that song before? Think about it, you have. <laughs> Refuse that stuff. And he talks about things that are profane. And the example Hebrews gives is Esau. As the profane person. And what did Esau do? What was God so upset with Esau about? 
He sold his birthright for a mess of pottage. A lot of us are selling our birthright for a mess of pottage. We're, we're giving up being a, a child of the King, a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ, bringing honor and glory to Him for a mess of pottage, for, for the American dream, for a nice house and a new car and a better career. God describes that as profane. He was not happy with Esau at all. I don't know. Avoid profane and vain babblings. Maybe you're feeling right now, you, may, you ought to stay away from me, but I don't know. First Timothy 6, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. If I hear one more person say, follow the science, I think I'll choke them. Especially if they're not following the science. If you want reasons not to follow, listen to Sam. I think it, Sam, it was, he, he was talking about uh, psychology and, and the, the practices of uh, psychologists and counseling and how often that turns over, and he's way more smarter than me, so just go watch. I think it was Monday morning's session with that. How frequently that turns over. How, how, how much confidence we put in science, but reject the Word of God. This is, this is the layman's version of that, right? I graduated from, from high school a, a minute ago. Maybe two. You think anybody in high school today is using the science book I use? Why not? Why, why not? Science is, is solid, right? It's, it's never changing. Why would they use a different science book? Because it's always changing. This book never changes. So let's follow it. Let's obey it. We could go on and on. There's a lot of those. Maybe you feel like I already have. Maybe, maybe it's all encapsulized in, in one guy at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 4. Do thy diligence to come before winter, he, he, to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas loved the present world. He loved this world. You know what James says just, just about us if we're, if we're friends with the world? You, know, you remember how he characterizes friendship with the world? The adulterers and adulteresses. Know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? It's, it's serious. It's, it's serious. So, if we're going to please Him that has chosen us to be a soldier, we can't be entangled with the affairs of this life. If, if my friend's mission watching the gate at Redstone Arsenal was too important, that, that he couldn't be entangled with the affairs of this life, the mission that we've been given by Christ is too important. And the reason we don't get entangled is so that we can please Him who hath chosen us to be a soldier. Learn to please the One who has chosen us to be a soldier. And, and we should understand about that. If, if you live pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ, the world's going to look at you like you're a fool. Amen? Sam, Sam shared this this morning. Same verse. For, uh, after, uh, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the Man, I can't read. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believed. It, it pleased God. The, the preaching of the gospel, it's foolishness to the world, but it's, it's the way by which we are saved. If, if I'm going to please God, I, I'm not going to please men. Galatians 1.10 for, for now do I persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. I, it's a choice. And, and, and I'm, I'll be honest, it's a choice I struggle with. Hi, my name is Joe, and I'm a people pleaser. 
You're supposed to say hi, Joe. Thank you. You guys have obviously never been to therapy. I, I struggle. I struggle standing here because I want you to like me more than I want to glorify Him. Struggle. And the answer is to come to the realization that I, I can't live to pre please you and, and also please Him. It's one or the other. He's chosen us. And that doesn't, that's not in the sense of a Reformed theology teaching. And I'm not going to go into that. If you would like more information, listen to any theology roundtable session. <laughs> it's not a specific one, just any of them. Listen long enough, they'll get there. I enjoy theology roundtable and endorse it wholly. Seriously. He's chosen us to be soldiers. And how do we please Him? It's a discipleship conference. How could we not quote John 15, 16? You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. Here's how we please Him. That you would go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you ask my Father in His name, in my name He may give it you. We know that, right? But do we do it? Do we do it? Do we live it out? Are we really doing that? I mean, going. It's, it's obedience. You know, a lot of times we think we have church and we invite people to come to church. That's a wonderful thing. The church is not about people coming to Christ in this room. That's, that's not the way the commission works. The commission works that we come in this room and we get encouraged and, and motivated and taught and trained and then we go reach the world with the gospel. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. This is how we ended the discipleship conference last year. We're the light of the world. When we come together, it's a special kind of light, Matthew chapter 5. We come together like a city on a hill. When we gather up in this place and, and we bring all this light together, we, we are a testimony. We, we do testify to this community. I'll guarantee you, people have driven by here this week, looked over into the parking lot of Oakland Heights Baptist Church and thought, what in the world's going on over there? Crazy Christians getting together again. They noticed it. We gather together, but then he said also, you're the salt of the earth, right? So we gather together as light, we scatter as salt, and salt is a picture of truth, and we take that truth to the world. We've got to go. We've got to take the truth, and salt has healing properties, right? It brings thirst, it gives people a desire, that's what, how do I please the Father? Go into the world with the gospel. We, we go to bring forth fruit, to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans 1.16, we're not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God into salvation. We go to, to take the gospel. We've been chosen. Not, not just chosen, but ordained. Ordered to go do that. Can I, can I show you a quick video clip? This, this is more serious than the one we saw the other night. It's from, a, it's from a documentary called The Insanity of God. Uh, and, it, and it talks about how so easily we give up the privilege of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ when so many people around the world would never give that up. Let's watch it together real quick. This will come 
uh, to house church leaders for help to settle disputes. Why have they become 400,000, 700,000 to 100 million? They said, we've got a decision that we make every day. We can ask ourselves this question. Do I want to identify with believers in persecution or do I want to identify with their persecutors? And when you ask them, well, how did I determine who I identify with? They say, by whether or not today you share Jesus with someone else or you keep him to yourself. And in America, I hear all the time, uh, religion, faith in America is a personal matter. That's from Satan. And so what believers in persecution have said that's brutally honest is when I keep my witness from my brother in America, my father, my sister, my boss, then I am identifying with the persecutors because I'm keeping my witness to myself. Listen, uh, I'm doing these interviews in the year 2000. Now, I don't know where he gets his information, but James Merritt said 90% of Southern Baptists born in the church, raised in the church, saved in the church, baptized in the church, married and buried in the church, nine out of 10 will never share Jesus with another person. That's what's killing believers in persecution. They are saying, you are giving up in freedom what we never give up in persecution, and that is our witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they said, here's a mistake you're making. You think that witness is tied to political freedom, and that that is so biblically incorrect. I am as free to share Jesus in Saudi Arabia today as I am Kentucky. I am as free to share Jesus in Afghanistan as I am in Ohio. Politics, countries, presidents have nothing to do with this. God has said you are free and you are to share the gospel with everyone. When we are obedient and exercise our freedom, then do we have the courage to suffer the consequences. So for them this commandment meant more than taking a day off. It represented Powerful, freedom for God's people. Because only those who are free how do we, can choose. How do we identify with the persecutors of the church around the world? We identify with the persecutors by, not, by giving up in freedom what they would never give up under persecution. What an awesome privilege we have right now. We have a window of opportunity. It's my personal opinion that the window is closing. Now, there's legislation that, that, that is going to possibly inhibit our freedom right now. We've got to take the opportunity to share the gospel. We've got to have the courage to face the consequences. I, I fear that we're so entangled. We're so interested in pleasing people. We're so desirous to be politically correct that we're ashamed of Jesus. And that's what's killing the church. We've got to take the message of the gospel, amen? We've got to be good soldiers. We've got to please the one who's called us. And the way we do that is by going and by evangelizing and, then, and ensuring that our fruit remains. And the way that we ensure our fruit remains is we disciple them. We, we disciple them. We, we make sure that they give all diligence to add to their faith virtue, and to add to virtue knowledge, and to add to knowledge temperance, and so forth and so on. 
We're investing in them, ensuring that they grow and that that fruit remains. We've been chosen by God. We've been ordained by God. We've been called to be soldiers. We've got a choice tonight. We can either be entangled in the affairs of this life or we can please the one who's called us to be a soldier. And what I've come to realize in my life is this. If I displease God, it doesn't matter who I please. And if I please God, it really doesn't matter who I displease. Could we live to that? I think that's the call. Father, we love you. Again, we're grateful for you and for your love for us and your word and your truth and for the opportunity to be together and to fellowship and to be encouraged. Father, we thank you for for James and, and, and Oakland Heights Baptist Church and for their generous hosting of this conference. Thank you for every teacher, pastor, and worship leader that has ministered, those who've, who've spoken into our lives at breaks and been encouraging and, and that have prayed and just so many things as we've come together as your body. Father, as we, as we conclude, we, we pray we would go away with a, a, a newfound passion and a greater desire and zeal and, and, and information and truth and just commitment to be who you've called us to be to be faithful to minister in these last days, to occupy until you come, to stay faithful to you and to your word, to never be ashamed of you and your testimony, but to stand for your truth, to follow you wherever, regardless of what it costs us, because you're worthy. You're worthy of all that we have and all that we are. And tonight we commit it to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.